Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening from Coolidge, Arizona. It's a study in Daniel. Episode number 48 which, by the way, is our final episode in the book of Daniel. And we'll begin our summer break also. May the 16th, 2019. I'd like to welcome everyone to this final lesson in our series, A Study in Daniel. It really has been a great privilege for me to be your tour guide, if you will, in our long journey. I hope that you have a much better understanding of the historical and prophetical, uh, prophetic importance of the book of Daniel after our extended trip. You know, it's been my experience, uh, <clears throat> my experience through my life uh, before uh, the current days that we are in now that the book of Daniel was used in a much different way than we've experienced through this series. Uh, Mostly, I would say, it was used in the idea of children's stories, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, the statue and things of that sort, Uh, the fiery furnace, you know, uh, Daniel's three friends and, and their faith. Those are all great stories, and they're all part of the experience of the captives in in Babylon. Or uh, there's another way that it's used where prophetic passages from Daniel are read or presented to be taught in light of or in in a way of uh, similar passages somewhere else in the Bible. Old Testament or New Testament. Unfortunately, usually these are taken a little out of context and causing a lot of confusion. I experienced it, and I know many others have too. So I hope our system this time has been a little better, giving us a chronological move through the writing, uh, even though we had to fix the chronology as far as chapter to chapter, but it's easily done. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, in the last 15, 16 years, and there's been a few others before, but there's been a few books written on the basis that the big picture concerning Daniel was that the Jewish reader of the writings and that, of course, was who it was originally intended for, Daniel's people or your people, as it said throughout the book. It was so that they had access to the revelation of the Messianic kingdom, uh, the history and the situation for their people through the decades, um, 
through the centuries even, and why and when these things would come to pass. Not that dates were given, but other things were given. World events, empires. You remember the four great empires? Daniel starts in the first one, the Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, and that goes into the uh, Medo-Persian Empire. Daniel is still involved in, in that work also. And then that becomes the Greek Empire. And then some many years later, the Greek Empire finally falls to the, to the Roman Republic, the Roman Empire, if you will. And that's how the last prophecies in Daniel end up in that time period. Now, the thing is, God wanted to, his people, his covenant people, to know these things and know when they would come to pass. Like I said, not, not a date, but in reference to all that was spoken of. And all of this was because God made a promise to Abram about his, his family and his people, that he would make a covenant with them, and that through his seed, in other words, through the Messiah that would come from Abram, who became Abraham, a great promise would be fulfilled, a promise of a Messiah, a promise of the kingdom uh, that was born and, and seen for the very first time in Daniel chapter 2. Now, this fact is of great interest to all mankind. I believe it should be. And it was of interest to people before the event, that is, before the conclusion of the, of the uh, time period of the Jewish covenant, and after. We're living in the after. But even before, it was very interesting. Certainly it is now. And this is why a study such as this was so important. And I certainly have grown in my understanding by these 48 lessons, and I hope you have too. I think it's impossible not to, even if we only say that we have a little better grip on ancient history. But within that history, we find the plan and the purpose of God for mankind un, un, uh, revealed in a way that we can understand. Everything fits together. What we must come to terms with, though, is the clear fact that the prophecies in Daniel, in his visions and in the visions of Nebuchadnezzar and all the things revealed by the angels and the words and the things seen, have in fact all come to pass. In fact, they are history to us. They're not our future. Not uh, even one of them has not been fulfilled. Now, of course, I know I'm splitting with um, many good Christian folks when I say this. And I know that this, of course, is not the mainstream thinking of most people uh, calling uh, themselves Christians today. That doesn't make them bad people and it doesn't make me a bad person. But this is what comes 
from researching the Bible and from studying the Bible and from considering things. And I can honestly say that uh, many other times when I've read from Daniel and did uh, things of such, I didn't consider it in the way I've had to consider it now, and I have in the last number of years. But even more than what I've just said, uh, my conclusion that these events and the prophecies and all that was foretold, all of this having been fulfilled is not some new teaching. It's not a new teaching from me or some other person that's written a book or has a, a series on this. It's not a new teaching that we're hearing today. It is a restorative teaching, if you know what I mean by that. In other words, I am saying that we are restoring the original teaching, the original understanding of these things concerning prophecy being fulfilled in the scripture as was understood by many others. In other words, this was the message, and, and we know that it was, this was the message of the apostles of Christ. They taught that all would be fulfilled in their generation. Jesus also taught this through the Gospels numerous times. Things would be happening, fulfilled. Matter of fact, all things fulfilled in that generation. Now that is the lifetime. Don't get hung up on that word generation. Yeah. And don't let somebody tell you that it means race, like the Jewish race. Remember, the Bible teaches there's one race of man, one race. So it can't be race, can it? These things were taught to be fulfilled, to be accomplished, to, to be done as God had promised in the lifetime of those hearing their words, reading their words, audibly and visibly. See, I'm tying myself down here. The people that heard these things with their ears from the mouth of someone in front of them, that was the generation. All, all tethered to those things that were written. Oh, that's right. It's, it's not a matter of all things. It's a matter of all things written. That's right. No one, now Jesus was revealing things that no one had ever heard mm -hmm. or understood uh, to a certain point, I mean to a more fuller understanding but the apostles were repeating what the Lord had given them. So when I say what I have been doing here through Daniel is not a new teaching, but a restorative teaching, you understand what I mean by that. And I think that's important. Because I want my preaching and my teaching to be in agreement always with the apostles of Christ and the very words and will of the Lord himself. How about you? Do you stand with me there? You don't have to agree with me, but when you see it in Scripture, when you see it clearly laid out, things fulfilled and it's clear that it is, then you uh, need to make a decision whether or not you will submit to the truth of Scripture. And we all must do this. We all must do this if we're going to be honest with ourselves and honest with God in heaven. Now, 
I like what I read in uh, one of the books of Daniel that I read. Um, <clears throat> just in the introduction of the book, it said this, right under the title. It said, as a subtitle, I guess you'd call it, it said, The Kingdom and Coming of Christ in the Book of Daniel. Let me say that again. The Kingdom and the Coming of Christ in the Book of Daniel. Now, I think after, if you've been here for 48 lessons, I think you've seen that demonstrated through the pages of the uh, the the book of Daniel. I think it's quite clear. But I want to talk about this and look at some scriptures as we move through. And this, of course, is my uh, summary or last word as far as I'm concerned uh, on this on this topic. But I hope these points that I'm going to make are are solid and rememberable. Uh, some of the scriptures, especially the last one that I'll read tonight from Josephus, I want you to um, make sure uh, that you write it down and, uh, and read Josephus. If you want to read something interesting, read the section of Josephus that has to do with the book of Daniel. I think you'll be intrigued. And as I said, he leaves a few things a little bit undone. But he says some things that are quite interesting too but in this idea the topic of the kingdom and the coming of christ in the book of daniel let's look at revelation 11:15, because that's exactly what's happening here in revelation 11:15. this is during the time of the of the uh the, the second first second third um um bowls i believe yeah of wrath poured out. No, this the woes. It's uh, following the second woe. The second woe is past. It says in verse 14, the third woe cometh quickly. All right, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there followed great voices in heaven, and they said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. And of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, you might say, well, there's no date on that verse. Well, there isn't. But you know, within that verse, we find all sorts of very similar teachings in other places that gives us a time frame. One thing I can tell you for sure, you won't find anything in the Bible that puts that verse into the distant future, into our distant future. Of course, it was a future to uh, Daniel and to the Jewish people before the birth of Christ, especially. But let's look at, uh, so I would date that verse about A.D. 70, as far as completion, because of what was said about the kingdom. Let's look at Daniel 7. We're going to look at a couple little passages in Daniel 7 and then one in Daniel 9. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. And of course, this is concerning a night vision. Daniel beheld a night vision and lo, one coming with the clouds of heaven as the Son of Man. 
Now that sounds very similar to the coming of Christ, doesn't it? And he came on to the Ancient of Days, that be the Father, and was brought near to him. And to him was given the dominion and the honor and the kingdom and all nations, tribes, and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. See, this is the forever and ever kingdom shall not be destroyed. The one that is mentioned in Daniel chapter 2. And we know that those verses, uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, and um, what it says is, is very similar to this. A never, never-ending kingdom will not pass away, will not be uh, given to another. On and on it goes. Now, these references I'm giving you, well, we have it here in front of us, verse 44. And, and this is in chapter 2 of Daniel. And in the days of those kings, that is the kings of the fourth part of the statue, the feet, the uh, the toes, and all the the iron, the iron and iron and clay and pottery. In the days of those kings of heaven, shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now there has to be the same kingdom, doesn't it? How many kingdoms did you have that will never be destroyed that rules all others? Just one. And his kingdom shall not be left to another people, but it shall beat to pieces and grind to powder all the other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All right? And what did Nebuchadnezzar see and what Daniel see? In the establishment of this kingdom, it says, Whereas thou sawest that a stone was cut out of a mountain without hands, and it beat to pieces the earthenware, the iron, the brass, the silver, and the gold. In other words, the whole statue and all four kingdoms became submitted and submissive to this kingdom. The great God has made known to the king what must happen hereafter, and the dream is true and the interpretation, therefore, sure. Now, these are powerful words, and there isn't any uh, walking it back anywhere. It's, it's with us. Okay, we'll go back to chapter 7 and read verse 22, or 21 and 22, all on the same time frame here that we're talking about, the, the um, coming of Christ, the, the Messiah, the return of Christ, if you will. 21 and 22, And I beheld... And that horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Now, that horn is the horn in the fourth beast, being, of course, the Roman Empire. The, the horn being the eleventh horn, Vespasian. All right. Verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came, You see, this is what we read in chapter 7. And he gave judgment to the saints of the Most High. By the way, there's two kind of saints here. Made war with the saints in verse 21. Those would be the Jews. Unfortunately, the unbelieving Jews. But they're still saints. Why? Because of their birthright. 
They were sons of Abraham. They were in the covenant, even though they had disregarded it and broken it. But in verse 22, the, the saints of the Most High are those saints that have accepted the Messiah of God, that is, Jesus of Nazareth. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came on, and the saints possessed the kingdom. All right? And it goes on speaking about the fourth beast and how it goes on. Do you see how these, these passages all fit together and that we're talking about the same period of time? Well, let's look at Daniel chapter 9. We can at least agree that we're, agree that we're talking about the same event. It's the same event. Even if you don't have the dates right, and I don't know the exact dates, I'm giving years here. Even if you still believe it's in the future, we're still talking about the same event. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you can't deny what it says. You can deny when it, when it is, when it is uh, to be or in the past or in the future. You, you can do that, but the more you get into it, the more you uh, travel with these things, the more you find that God's making it clear. Um, and and that, that's another thing um, that I'll say before I read from chapter 9. The scriptures are not a riddle, and they never were. The, God gave these things that men may know, may know his purpose, may know things, but not, not in a way that they could know them and somehow try to counter or uh, go around or something of this sort, uh, even if that would be possible, and it probably isn't. Uh, the way that it's delivered is the very most helpful way that it could have been, I believe. So uh, it's, not, it's not written to be confusing. It's not written to be a mystery that we don't know the, the correct answer to. As a matter of fact, the apostle spoke about the only mystery that was there, and that was the mystery that God would make the two one. In other words, the Gentiles and the Jews, he would make one in Christ. Why? Because of the kingdom, the never-ending kingdom that, we, that we're talking about right now. That's why that was accomplished. It was a mystery. No one knew about it. Uh, and they certainly didn't understand the idea of the Gentiles and the Jews because everyone knew that the, the Jews had a covenant with the God of heaven. And if you weren't born a Jew, you had to become a proselyte and go through the system of, and it was, I think, seven generations before your children were considered Jewish uh, in, in a solid way. So, that being said, let's look at Daniel 9 verse 25 through 27, and see if it doesn't sound like exactly the same time period, the same event. Event. In other words, you know what that event's called. It's called the day of the Lord, okay, in a general way. And thou shalt know and understand that from the going forth of the command for the answer and for the building of Jerusalem until Christ, the prince, by the way, now that's pretty definite. The Messiah, the prince, 
There shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, and then the time shall return, and the street shall be built, and the wall, and the times shall be exhausted. Now, we went over those things, and they're, they're just part of the historical account. Verse 26, And after the sixty-two weeks, the anointed one shall be destroyed. That would be the Messiah, wouldn't it? And there is no judgment in him, and he shall destroy the city and the sanctuary with the prince that is coming. There shall be cut off with a flood, they shall be cut off with a flood, and to the end of the war, which is rapidly completed, he shall appoint the city to desolation. You ever read about that desolation in Matthew 23, the last verse? Jesus said it was, was upon them, upon them. And uh, don't think for a second they didn't hear what he said. In verse 38, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And this he said to the Jews after, just after he had told him, them, that they, that generation that was hearing his words, would pay the price for the sin of the Jews all the way back. And that was, uh, I would have not liked to be standing in that crowd. Jerusalem who kills the prophets and That's right. stones those who are sent to her. Everything is revealed. Jesus, like he, Jesus always said, I... Behold, I tell you this before it happens. And so he did. Now, uh, by the way, did we read the last verse in Daniel 9.27? No. Okay. 9.27, And one week shall establish the covenant with many, and in the midst of the week my sacrifice and drink offering shall be taken away, and on the temple shall be the abomination of desolation. And at the end of time or time of the end, probably better said, an end shall be put to the desolation. So in other words, the desolation comes to a conclusion when things are completely desolate, right? That's exactly the condition of Jerusalem uh, after 70 A.D. and all the things, the months and months that went by and the disassembling of everything that was standing, except Fort Antonius which was the Roman fort, they had no need to tear it down uh, because that was, not, uh, that was theirs and they had, had control of it. They probably looked around for things hidden or whatever, but that's, that remained and that is all that remained by an eyewitness that wrote concerning, uh, an eyewitness that had left Masada before everyone died there in about 73 A.D. 73, as he walked by Jerusalem, he said, Behold, the only thing left standing in Jerusalem is the fort of our conqueror. Nothing else. No walls, no houses, no buildings. Nothing. And these are eyewitness accounts. Now, the, the kingdom of Christ the kingdom of the coming Christ in the book of Daniel, that's what we're talking about here. This is key to the future of all Israel. 
the coming of the Messiah. In other words, the birth of the Messiah. The Messiah's words, the Messiah's death, the Messiah's resurrection, and the parousia, that is the presence, even though our English Bibles all use the word coming as a verb, even though it's a noun and it's parousia, it's the presence. It's the day of the Lord. And the parousia at the end of the Jewish age. When was that? Well, A.D. 70, according to the the dating of eyewitnesses of the uh, time. It was August, uh, August of A.D. 70 is when the walls were broken down and the Roman army streamed into the city. And following all of that, uh, in the weeks and months to come, the temple was burnt and thus and so. Now let's look at what Jesus said, or what the apostles said, that Jesus said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Now there's many other scriptures that go with this, but I'm just giving you the highlights here to for you to consider my, my conclusion. Now, the apostle is talking about, of course, how God will repay those that have uh, persecuted the church. Um, and he said that they would have rest with the apostles at a certain time. At when? When is that time? In verse 7. At the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with the angels of his power in flaming fire. See, that's when it was going to happen. Verse 8. Here's what happened. Rendering vengeance to them that know not God and to them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus. All right? This is the vengeance of God that was wrought upon the unbelieving Jew uh, at that time which was the conclusion, the consummation of the age of the Jews, as had been prophesied by every prophet in the Old Testament. Like I said, this is not new. This is the original thinking. And when we read in the New Testament, we have the fulfilling of that original prophecy and those original words. You can't, you can't talk yourself into this you here. You, no, you can't. You didn't hear their testimony in those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the grammar, of course, in the epistles, the gospels, the New Testament in, in large, the grammar is the key to understanding. It's the key to the translation. It's only hard to believe that it wasn't done honestly and accurately by anyone. Now, we can see how people could make mistakes um, just as we make mistakes. But the fact of the matter is um, these things were said to people that were living at that time. Uh, And they were awaiting this to happen. And by the way, they knew that it was at hand soon The apostles used to say, these are the last days. 
And then later on, way into the early 60s, John the Apostle said, it is the last hour. Now, that's pretty, that's kind of a key, isn't it? Now, if my conclusions are correct concerning the prophecies in Daniel and elsewhere, then much of what the world hears concerning Christianity is an error. Not everything, but many things, especially doing with the, the concept of eschatology and prophecy and, and other things, not just that. There's error there, misunderstanding. I'm not saying the error is deliberate. I'm just saying it's, it's an error. And I've made many errors in the scriptures. It wasn't deliberate, but when I found out, <clears throat> I changed my mind, and I was hoping that it was the right answer, and I, and I studied until I was assured that it was. So you see that what is called <clears throat> orthodox Christianity, Christianity today is devoid of, of a few things. And through the years, I've, I've noticed this, and I've, I've felt a lot of sorrow over it. But I think what is called orthodox today is really devoid of the hope that we have in Christ and God's kingdom. It's devoid of much truth, and it, because of the doctrines of men concerning the church, it defies the illogical rendering of Scripture. Now, these are real problems. They're problems for me, and that's why I study the Scripture, and uh, that's why not that this would mean uh, a reason for anyone to, to study, but this is a good reason to study if this is your experience. Now, this, of course, also is a real hindrance to evangelism today. It was also a hindrance to evangelism yesterday, and it will be tomorrow if these things continue. Why is it a hindrance? And I'll tell you why. Because intelligent people that are honest, when they read things in the Scripture and they see that things are, do not appear to be what they're hearing from their preachers, teachers, and otherwise in the church, what are they to do with that? Well, many just throw their hands up and say, it wasn't true, and they go away. Now that is a problem. So, some questions need to be asked. And I have a couple of questions, three questions, and I believe we got enough time to deal with them. Uh, pretty simple, but I think they're pretty weighty. The first one is this. If we as, as mankind are awaiting in, into the future the second coming of Christ and the beginning of this kingdom of God or heaven, then what are we today? What would we call ourselves? What is our religion? How are we useful towards God? Now let's look at Matthew chapter 5. I have some quick verses here that will show you where things would be if we don't take all the scripture together. Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. 
As I've said before when I presented this verse, there's a whole denominational group that based their whole religion on these verses. And it says, Jesus said to the apostles, he said this, Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy it, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass away from the law till all things be accomplished. Well, within that verse, we have the entire problem delivered to us. Now, friends, here's the point. If you're reading that verse 18 and you see till heaven and earth pass away, and you are standing outside in your backyard, you know one thing. The heaven and earth that you're applying to those two words is still there. So what's that mean? Well, here's what it means. That the Jews are still amongst us, and they are still under the law, and we are separate from any covenant with God at all, as Gentiles or as unbelieving Jews. Because Jesus, that's what Jesus said, nothing will pass away. By the way, the, the phrase, in no wise pass, that's the double uh, negative of the language there, meaning it absolutely, positively cannot pass away until heaven and earth pass away, till all things be accomplished, all things being all things said in the scriptures, the Old Testament, to be exact. Well, heaven and earth, in, in this phraseology, especially when Jesus is talking to the Jews, they understood heaven and earth to be all that was Judaism. Jerusalem, the temple, the, uh, the, the uh, entire economy, if you understand the word there, the economy of the Jews, the nation or the national Israel, Israel uh, people, covenant, and all that was theirs in religion would would pass away before the law. In other words, the law would pass away when these things are accomplished. Now, what do you suppose Jesus is talking about here? Would it be the day of the Lord? I think that's pretty obvious. So let's go to Luke 21, and we'll see what Jesus says that concerns this verse right here. Luke 21, verse 20 through 22. Jesus said, But when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that her desolation is at hand. By the way, the armies that compassed Jerusalem was indeed the abomination unto Israel. All right? That's the abomination that causes desolation Verse 21, let them that are in Judah flee unto the mountains and let them that are in the midst of her depart out and let not them that are in the country enter therein. For these are days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Now in this verse, 22, we find the pretty much the conclusion to the whole problem, don't we? 
For these are the days of vengeance. When? When Jerusalem is compassed with, with armies round about the city. When did that happen? Seven, 66 to 70 AD. More, more specifically, in 70 AD is when it actually came to this point where they encircled the city and they had their camps outside of the wall. And Jesus said, for these are the days of vengeance, God's vengeance, that he talked about in chapter 23 of Matthew to the Jews, that all things which are written, all things written, that means all the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning the Jewish people, may be fulfilled. I don't know that I could prove it, but I'd, I'd almost say that all things that weren't written quite yet either. Yeah. Seeing as how they all had the same source. Yeah, well, the, the rest of the New Testament's talking about what Jesus is saying here. Yeah. They're awaiting. It's at hand. It's soon to be. See, that was the message of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Not millennium after millennia ago, uh, ahead, but soon to be at hand for those hearing their words. And materialistic. And let's look at Matthew 16, 27 and 28. I want to tie this together with what Jesus said to the people that was listening to him. And see, if you don't agree, all these things are very weighty. Verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he render unto every man according to his deeds. Now, all of these things we see in Daniel around the judgment seat, don't we? Mm-hmm. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 28, Verily, 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 I say to you, there are some of them that stand here who shall in no wise, there's that double negative again, Taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I believe that word coming there is is the verb. Because we're talking about an action. Coming. Erkamai. Yes. So you see... If you put these things together, it's hard for us to take away all of these things being accomplished. That, that's, my, that's my conclusion. These things have been accomplished. And it's a blessing to know. Because what everyone is worried about in Christendom is how they're going to survive through the tribulation. They make, I don't know how many movies they've made about it. And they got all kinds of various ways. Some are going to try to fly a plane or drive a truck through it or survive the Antichrist or all the various inflammatory language that they can bring up. It makes a good movie, but it's pure fiction. It's not even a good rendering of what we're reading about in the Bible. Nonetheless, we know, we know the appeal. Now, friends, Jesus Christ and his apostles preached and taught these things that we are hearing tonight in these scriptures. All of them they taught and said before 70 A.D. 
we must accept the fact that we are living in the period after all these things written has been accomplished, after the things Daniel saw and heard regarding his people that were in the future. We're living after that time. The second question, the organized religions of today teach a miss concerning death and how it affects the children of God. But the scriptures are clear concerning the first covenant people and the Christians at the close of the apostolic age and the consummation of the Jewish age. Now I want to look at one phrase in John chapter 11 that Jesus said to to Martha concerning Lazarus, concerning anyone. Uh, Just verse uh, 25, let's start. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that as a Christian? Do we believe that believing on Christ, now believing here doesn't mean we just know about the story. Believing means that we do all that Christ and the apostles have commanded us to do. To be brought into the kingdom and to, and to live in the kingdom. That's what believeth means. Shall never die. I believe it. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's look at verse 20. But now hath Christ been raised from the dead. See, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church. You see, now Christ has been raised. He is the first fruits of them that are asleep. Those are the dead. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. That means the dead standing up alive. As For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The key there is in Christ, of course. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then they that are Christ. At his coming, it should be in in his presence or the day of the Lord. Then, then, the end. Then, did you notice that? Uh, the word cometh is not in there. Then the end. And we, the end follows this issue of uh, the resurrection of Christ, the, the resurrection of those that are, are Christ at or in his presence on the day of the Lord. Then the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, and when he shall have abolished all rule and all authority, and all power. If you don't know what all those mean, you you need to find out. For he must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy shall be abolished is death. Now do you understand that death has been abolished? 
It's in the past. Jesus did that for us. The kingdom of God replaced death with life. And on it goes. You need to read the rest. Which brings us to the third question and final. When when is the resurrection? Well, we read about the resurrection, didn't we? We see all these things happening. Remember Daniel uh, uh, chapter 12? We know about Jesus' resurrection, but how about those that are Christ at his or in his presence. In other words, when Christ uh, was known, 70 AD or, or thereabouts in that time period, I can't give you an exact date there, but I think it's very close to that time. When does that occur? Well, all the rest of scriptures that we've been studying for months tell us that it's already occurred. It was at the fall of Jerusalem. We know the history. Now, remember what Daniel 12 said? Let's go back to Daniel 12, the first verse. And on a little bit. And at that time, Michael the great prince shall stand up, that stands over the children of thy people. By the way, this time period is at the war, between the war between the, the unbelieving Jews and the Romans in Jerusalem. And there shall be a time of tribulation such as tribulation has not been from the time that there was a nation on the earth until that time. At that time, thy people shall be delivered. That's resurrection. Even everyone that is written in the book, those are the righteous that are resurrected. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, and some to reproach and everlasting shame. And the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and some of the many righteous as the stars forever and ever. And the wise there, of course, being the saints of the Most High God. Those would be the the believing Jews and possibly even the uh, believing Gentiles in Christ that have, that have died. Remember, yeah. these are people that are resurrected. We're not talking about people that are alive here. All of these people have been resurrected. Outside of the living apostles that were still alive at, at this date, we don't know how many there was. Maybe there was none. But we do know in Thessalonians chapter 4, that they go to meet the Lord in the air. All right? Now, when does this occur? According to all the visions and prophecies of Daniel chapter 2, during the fourth kingdom, the Roman Empire. Daniel chapter 7, the fourth beast is the little horn. And, and the little horn of the fourth beast. Rome and Vespasian. Even Daniel eleven forty through 45, we find where the rise of Rome comes to defeat the remnant of the great kingdoms. He defeats both the northern kingdom, the Seleucid kingdom, and the uh, Ptolemaic kingdom of the south. And that's, that's the Romans. That's Julius Caesar, by the way. Setting the stage for the scene that we have 
in Daniel 12, verse 1 through 4. When the Roman armies, God uses the Roman armies to crush the unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem and in the other locations that they fought. The Roman War of A.D. 66 through 70. Can we doubt the period of time this passage in Daniel 12 represents where the resurrection and the judgment occur and death and Satan were defeated? I think not. Now, if you haven't uh, been writing anything down, write this down if you can. Because this is from Josephus. It's my last uh, thing I'm going to read to you this evening. From Josephus, uh, and that's what the book is called, the uh, Josephus, the works of Josephus. The section in that works that is entitled The Antiquity of the Jews, Antiquity of the Jews, it's in book 10 of that section, chapter 11, and what I'm going to read starts about in, uh, I guess we can call them verses, number 275, just a couple of those verses. Listen to what Josephus said. Now remember, Josephus is an eyewitness to the destruction of Jerusalem. He was with the Roman army. He was captured and brought along to try to reason with the Jews in Jerusalem. It, it didn't work out. But this is what he says concerning um, the prophecy of Daniel. See, he's talking about, before this reading, he's talking about how Daniel's prophecies, each one of them, have come to pass. And they can put names on those prophecies in the days of Josephus. When did he live? He lived between... Uh, 30 A.D. and 99 A.D. Here's what he says. And that from among them there should arise a certain king that should overcome our nation and their laws and should take away our political government and should spoil the temple and forbid the sacrifices to be offered for three years' time. Now who is that? Is that the Romans? No. He's talking about Daniel's prophecy that we read about in the chapters preceding chapter 12. Okay, who's he say this is? And indeed, it came so, it came, and indeed it so came to pass that our nation suffered these things under Antiochus Epiphanes. Remember him, the madman? You see, Josephus knows who this person was because of Daniel. According to Daniel's vision, he puts it there for us, and what he wrote many years before they came to pass. You see, these things Daniel wrote, they had not come to pass. They had no idea that these would happen, but the visions were revealed them. In the very same manner, that's an important statement, Daniel also wrote concerning the Roman government and that our country should be made desolate by them. All these things did this man leaving in writing as God has shown them to him insomuch that such as a read in his prophecies and we see how they have been fulfilled would wonder at the honor wherefore God honored Daniel and the many thence discovered how of that day the Epicureans are in error. 
Now, this is a tribute to Daniel a little bit, but he's showing clearly that the Jews of that time, did they know what, who the fourth kingdom was? Yes, they did. Yes. Josephus was a Jewish historian. He lived between the years of 30, AD 30 and 99, approximately. <coughs> he was, of course, the eyewitness of Jerusalem. He saw the national Israel crumble and become no more including the temple, the worship, and all that was Jewish. He, by his words, gives us testimony of the time period confirmed by all of the Old Testament and the New Testament prophecies. Now, that's how I see it. Uh, we have the scriptures. That's all we need. We don't need Josephus. But isn't it interesting to have a Jewish man who was a Pharisee and a Levite, and the scholar of the day to make such statements concerning what we've been studying. He, he doesn't confirm the scriptures. The scriptures confirm him. That's right. That's right. He's seen the fulfillment of the scriptures. My, my question today is, do we see the same thing? Amen. We need to see it. So we can go on learning of the things of God. One step at a time. Has this been a step for you? It's been a good step for me. And is there more? There's more. We could go over and have a whole new series on Daniel and probably even pick up more light than we've already run, run into. But it might, we might have to wear sunglasses the second time through. All right. Well, it's been a privilege. And uh, we pray that these things will be useful to you. And this will be our conclusion in this study. Let us, let us ask God to dismiss us. Our Father, we ask that you continue with us as we continue in your work and in your word. And that, Father, we will indeed conform to the great truths that we find there, regardless of how they may bring difficulty into our life or replace some conception or something we've always been taught. This is not easy, Father, and we, we pray that we are capable of it and we will encourage others to do the same. We pray it all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.